0: about my state of health (laughs) but the old guy retired and they forgot and five years later my gp remembered and told me i needed emergency surgery she said you can do three things with you just leave you and you just drop dead one day i didn't fancy that as an option And the second thing was, we can slit, slit you right down the middle and go into your heart and put in a new valve, and you've be months for recovery. Or else, there's a new technique called Tavi, where we go, we go in and we don't do all that rough stuff on you, and we go in another way and renew your valve. And I think you'd take that, wouldn't you? Actually, I said, certainly. <laughs> and so I went into the Golden Jubilee Hospital in Clay Bank. They said, did they treat you well? And I said, well, let's put it like this. I been in Africa, I went there for the hospital. <laughs> Never mind an international team of medical scientists looking after me. So that was good and I got home within a week. I went in on Monday and came home on Friday and things were very good. But uh, it started going very bad and I started hallucinating. Somebody messed about with the drugs, I think. And my... My, What's that? I can never remember that name, Jane. The the high-up surgeon. Consultant, no? Pardon? A consultant. Consultant. My old consultant came (laughs) running back in and altered my (coughs) jobs by what they should have been. And I was having weird and wonderful dreams. And uh, things got better. (laughs) And so here I am, back, vertical and functional again. (laughs) I'm going to read from the Bible, I still believe the Bible, <coughs> John chapter 5, I was it suggested that I speak on one of the miracles, and I picked, I picked a miracle, it's very, very good, it's called The Man at the Pool, Well, oh, he was at the pool on <laughs> trying to sort the, the building, the healing at the pool, John chapter 5. Some time later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which is an Aramaic called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day in which this took place was a sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is a sabbath, the law forbid you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told her to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. (laughs) But Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. That was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. That's tremendous, isn't it? What is a miracle? Well, if you walk down the road and you see a cow field, that's not a miracle. But if you walk down the road and you see a farmer's field with a cow in it, that's not a miracle, and if you walk down the field and you hear a cow making a singing noise, that's not a miracle either, there are no tricks about a miracle, Um, it's wonderful when God intervenes in a miraculous way, in somebody's life like he did here when the lord jesus intervened with the life of this man who had been lying there for 38 years and so every one of the gospels has an emphasis when we look at matthew we see the lion when we look at mark we see the man jesus we look at luke we see the, the, the lamb or the ox or we look at John, John soars like an eagle and we get an overview of life. The Word became flesh and lived among us and we gazed at his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, so there's this secret Dimension unfolding in John to an extent it doesn't happen in the other Gospels. In fact, all the the miracles in the the Gospels have got different titles. The miracles are acts of wonder, acts that inspire wonder, acts of power, acts of significance. They're all there in the Gospels. And we see him there in the life of Jesus depicted in the Gospel of John. And here's a man who had life without hope, 38 years of illness. Have you ever met folk who have been long-term ill? This man had 38 years of illness. He was carried to the pool. He had friends who took him there. Every day he was never healed. And yet the glorious truth of the gospel is God can heal anybody. He doesn't heal everybody. But he can heal anybody. Who can? Who can heal? Jesus can heal. And some folk actually glory in ill health. We've met before. I've met a few of them. Today. There was a wee man living the next street to us. And uh, his wife was ill. She was always, always in a wheelchair. And she was always ill. Always complaining. And she was this wee man running about mad. Going in the house. He's, get the tea ready for Mr. Lichotten. And the whole thing was running. By this lady out of a wheelchair. And this wee man, he was a great wee man, he looked after my garden when I went on holiday once. And he he kindly used all my potatoes. <laughs> and I said to him, did you happen to see what happened to my leeks? <laughs> He said, you he weeks, I thought they was grass. He <laughs> <laughs> thought my weeks were grass. This man, very bad. <laughs> and it came to pass, the beggar died. This poor wee man had been worn, to, worn out by his wife. He died, and you'll never guess what happened next. She was at the church on Sunday. (laughs) That's what happened. God came into her life. God spoke to her and to him. And uh, it's a way of looking at the Gospels And you see how God comes in. And here they had a pool. A lot of folk deny there was a pool. I was with a group and we sang as a choir in St Mary's Church beside the Pool of Bethesda. The Pool of Bethesda was unknown, and then I think it was 1912, before my time, they were all working about and they knocked the stones out of the normal pattern of things. And guess what was there? A pool. The pool of Bethesda, it was there. And the Bible was proved correct once again. There's five alcoves it was there. And there it was where the man by the side of the pool of Bethesda he had a hopeful trail. And the hopeful trail of Peter Bluff into something well. And uh, this man was temporary and spasmodic in his healing. He had friends who went there every day for years, but he lost. He lost. and He was in his pit of misery for so many years. And you know, some folk actually glory in this illness you've got to be careful how you deal with them. I had an auntie once, I remember, and every time she went away, my father would say, see her. That's a Glasgow song. (laughs) (laughs) See her. She's did if you descend to Stephen. That wasn't a very kind thing to say about her auntie. but, um, But there you are. He was a a man who found God, although it looked as if there was no hope for him and he was one of the long term sick and um, he lost the cutthroat rat race to get to the pool first in his description of what happened to him. In January 2006, I visited an African in his little house in Kenya, lying in his underpants on a thin mat on his living room floor, very ill. The family couldn't afford to pay him to take him to hospital, but he died two weeks after I saw him. Many children in the developing world do not have nourishment for their bodies and brains to grow and are disadvantaged from birth. Debilitating diseases like dysentery are easily cured, but few believe (coughs) And so there are all sorts of disappointing situations that people find themselves in. And tonight, today, Jesus comes into our life and can change our lives. He can heal us in an amazing way. Yeah, I've seen it happening, i seen God ch- changing beer into furniture, in the case of my brother. My brother could drink my father under the table any night of a week. And then he came up to me one day and he said, George, I have something to tell you. What is it, Jimmy? He said, I've given up drinking, and <coughs> i will never drink drinking. I was thinking about you and I was thinking this is a mull scheme and I'm giving it up. And he gave it up He never, never drunk alcohol again in his whole life. God is wonderful. He can do amazing things. When we left Inverness Baptist we retired from there. There was a man there called, <laughs> I forget his name. <laughs> But this man, he was an amazing guy and he had a pal and the the pal was as amazing as he was. The pal used to always bring sweeties to church and give out sweeties to everybody and the pal uh, couldn't like, he couldn't sit in the pews eventually with his cancer. He used to lie on a plank upstairs and throw sweeties out the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a millionaire. came to me once and he said, He was the best harlot in the place, I me." and he, he came up to me and he said, You're having a hard time out, Pastor. And I said, Ah, oh, damn, all right, don't bother with me. God will look after me. And he he says, I've got a sister in the family called the Ayatollah. He says, and she's got a beautiful apartment in. where was it, Jean? (laughs) On an island in the the Mediterranean. And she's booked you and Jean for a week's holiday, and there's your air tickets. And this man used to. At Christmas time, you yeah, ever got a Christmas card, get a handful of notes, a hundred pounds for your Christmas pasta. <laughs> and then when he died, it was cancer. Jean and I went to the funeral. We thought, it's in the biggest church in Inverness. We don't know where the biggest church in Inverness is. We'll need to find it. We had no trouble finding it. We were men six deep, a quarter of a mile from the church. Going to Malcolm's funeral. Because Malcolm had been so kind to him. He was a Christian. He was known as a Christian throughout Inverness. It's all to do with God intervening in our lives. And I say to you this morning, God can intervene in your life doesn't matter how old you are, how clever you are, what color you are, what age you are, God's going to intervene in your life. How do I know? Oh, you see, he sent the Lord Jesus to be your saviour, and he died on a cross for you. He loves you so much, he sent his son to shed his blood and give his life for you. Isn't that wonderful? God is a wonderful God. No wonder we can sing songs. You know, Christianity is a a singing religion. I used to lead an open air in London in Shepherd's Bush open air market on a Saturday afternoon, and the the communists had an open air across the road, and they used to. taunt the christians and i used to taunt him why why do you never sing at your meetings <laughs> we sing at our meetings because we have a message of joy the lord jesus christ has come into the world to save search of whom you are one <laughs> and had the real time in the open air at shepherd's bush in london so God says to you today, no matter who you are, where you are, what you are, I can change. The Lord Jesus Christ changed her. He's changed some of my powers. About three o'clock in the morning, a few weeks ago, I got a phone call. I got funny phone calls. Funny phone call yesterday. Two of the old dears in Inverness that we so much. They were admitted to hospital on Friday. Their name's Mitchell by the way. <laughs> they were admitted to hospital on Friday and they died on Friday. Two of them. So we're going to try and devise a system where we <laughs> get up to MMS and go to the funeral. To Jesse and Charlie's funeral. We hope to get to them. God can do anything and he'll take us to Inverness if he wants us to be there. And God, God can do anything, anything. A so guy used to sing a song about it. God can do anything but fail. God can do anything <coughs> but fail in your life. That's what he's like. And we hope and pray for each one of you. This lovely building—they've done it up again. I think you've done it doesn't need done up every every month. but <laughs> <laughs> it's just lovely. And it can take you and change you and transform you. Let's pray together. O God our gracious Father, we thank you for our Saviour, we thank you for his interest, we thank you for his intervention, we thank you O God for how we've seen evidence of the changes that God makes in human lives and we pray for your help for all those whom you for Jimmy Morrow's family. I had a pub called Jimmy Morrow, and we played football every day for the summer holidays, and this was a phone call, three o'clock in the morning. Jimmy Morrow's deed, <laughs> and they wanted you to be at his funeral. And I had met Jimmy about six years ago and uh, he said to me, Mitchell, Jordy Mitchell, is it true you became a Baptist minister? And I said, yes. Is it true you, is it true you smashed a, a full beer bottle over a guy's head and you were up for trial for attempted murder and were sent to jail for four years? He said, that's right. He says, but I've changed. I want to tell you about the change. He said, I was walking down the lane opposite the Odeon Cinema, Glasgow, and four of my pals were drinking in a a circle. And they said, We're all right for a drink now, there's Jimmy Morrow coming. You know what this man did? Every Friday, Jimmy Morrow went into the pub spread his wages out on the counter and gave them away to the drinkers and the pub. He said, "When well, I heard these guys talking about me along that lane. He said, oh, all right for a drink tonight. There's Jimmy Morrow. And he thought, I'm a fool. He says, I'm a fool. He says, and I'm changing. I'll never be the same again. He said, I gave my life to Jesus, and Elaine, beside the audience, said, I've, been, I've never been the same since, first. and he said, these guys, they phoned me at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> so here am I sitting in a Roman Catholic service, remembering Jimmy. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, Jimmy Morrow, or anybody else. God can change you. Lord, hear our cry and hear us as we come to you and bless us and use us. We thank you you did that for the man at the pool, and you can do it for anyone here. So Lord, pray that you will operate in the lives of the folk now bow before you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. But you mentioned this um, during the, let- the lockdown, the letdown, what was the title? <laughs> lockdown, yeah. The lockdown. It was a letdown as well. <laughs> <And the> letdown. <laughs> I, wrote my, I wrote my big brother's story. My parents were told they had no uh, they, they, they couldn't have any children. So they adopted Big Jimmy. <coughs> and 15 years later, Lee Geordi appeared <laughs> as the natural child of both parents. And he was 15 years old And On his 18th birthday, he joined the army in 1944. And the first day of action, he was taken prisoner by the Hitler Youth <laughs> and put in a cattle truck to check his and dumped into a concentration camp from where from he escaped and uh, the food was generally rubbish and uh, but one day they got a beautiful rabbit stew and a boy said I hope we get more of that rabbit stew tomorrow that was the best feed we've had since we came here. And a, soldier, a British soldier said, it wasn't rabbit stew, it was Alsatian duck, which wasn't very nice. And so they got fed up, eating Alsatian duck, and he escaped from the camp, started walking. And he walked. I, walked, I walked out, it was about 1,500 kilometers mother but about noticed, missing beliefs killed in action. And Jimmy walked in the door one day, <laughs> wasn't that great? And then he was a Bren gunner in Korea and had to be shipped out to Japan for uh, skin after operations and his legs, a shell had blown up and he was badly injured. And, uh, he didn't know how to relate to women or girls very much. His pal used to take him to the dancing and uh, one day his pal got a, got a girl to dance with him and when the dance was finished the girl said to, to his uh, pal, that was like dancing with Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> When he came home from Japan, the first thing he did was sit in front of the fire with his, his luggage case and burn airmail letters from an Australian girl, and a nurse, kid. in the hospital. Thank God for providing somebody that took an interest okay. in Jimmy. Oh, said, uh, we never found out anything about her, but we thank God for her. I'd sit down and well, thank you again.